When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Mason Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The only podcast recommended by 9 out of 10 dentists to help prevent plaque buildup. I am Jared Stormer of MasonBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of MasonBrew.com, and my hetero life mate. Annie, you personification of hedonism. How you been, brother? I'm good now, man. Um, wish we could have been here last week, but unfortunately had an eye injury to deal with. You know, in the life that I live of fight clubs and debauchery but we trudge on yeah we trudge on despite the fact you broke literally the first and second rule yeah (laughs) it's okay i trust our listeners yeah i uh i'm glad you're back and without an eye patch too though you probably could have pulled that off you are a swashbuckling sort i appreciate that you know i'm thinking about getting a blackbeard tattoo just to bring up you know some of the aura drum that up but uh Thought about going with a double eye patch, really test the girlfriend, see if she's going to stick around for the long haul. But sure, yeah, she, yeah. she was glad I didn't show up. Yeah, <laughs> she was probably pleased that you sat that one out. Yeah, yeah, I only wore one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. All right, well, we're back for some off-season content. Obviously, no games happening in any of the sports that we really want to cover. Uh, some sporting news from around the world. The Bucks won the NBA championship last night, which I choose to make good news because it's a small market team and I'm a Pistons fan. Uh, did you watch any of the NBA finals? What are your thoughts on, on just the NBA in general? Is that something you get into? I mean, I know the answer to that, but for our listeners. You know I'm very, very into the NBA. I didn't watch too much of the finals. Caught a little bit here and there. Follow the stories more than anything. I like like Devin Booker's rise, Chris Paul kind of maybe falling apart, the Giannis coronation. It was fun. It was good to see a small market team win and, you know, add some parity to the league. I mean, Bucks haven't won a title in, what, 50 years? 50 years, yeah. And uh, in just a couple of years, you get Toronto and Milwaukee championships. Like, yep. that's the kind of parity that I think is just good for any league. I absolutely agree. And Giannis is a great ambassador for the game, 50-14-5. and five is an absurd stat line for a finals win. I think he's the only player to ever have a stat line like that in a playoff game. Yeah, it's like uh, what Ryan Rosillo said. It's a Wilt Chamberlain stat line, except he won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I found that to be very interesting. Um, the MLB currently at the the all-star break, but us here, this is uh, prime off-season time. So uh, some of the news that we've had since we last spoke, not really news, but Caleb Houston is an absolute stud. For those of you that didn't know, this shouldn't be news to anyone. Absolutely balled out for the under-19 team. Uh, He was averaging, I got it right here. He averaged a team-high 17 points and 5.7 rebounds, 2.4 assists, and 2.3 steals per game for the U-19 Canada team. Uh, Led them to bronze. This looks like a dude. And the fact that he was doing it against some international competition, um, just like it it really locks it in that this guy's going to come in and be able to contribute immediately. This pleases me. (laughs) 
all I need. And I'm calling the best color man in sports for nothing. No, it's, that's awesome to see, man, the fact that his game's progressing and he can do this at a higher level because this is obviously a higher level than just traditional American or Canadian basketball. So this is awesome to see that he's already taking these kind of steps and keeping his game fresh and sharp coming right into Ann Arbor. No, this is nothing but good news. Yeah, he's definitely going to be a contributor, and if there was any doubt about that, those doubts are alleviated. Uh, this is not news, but I wanted to bring this up. CBS came out a couple weeks ago with the coaching hot seat rankings, and I was overall pretty fine with this. Um, they had three coaches on the list that were, you need to win uh, this year or you're fired, and then the next tier after that was show improvement now. And that was the tier that Jim Harbaugh fell into. And I, I looked at that and I was like, okay, so show improvement now. What is that? We won two games last year. So I almost think Harbaugh falls into the win now. I just wanted to hear your opinion on that. Is it win or you're fired or is it show improvement now? I feel like he's kind of teetering in the middle. He's almost the divider of the tiers there. I feel like other coaches in that second one could be below him, but maybe the ones in the immediate hot seat are just a little bit above him. So he's going to kind of fall in that weird space there. Has the contract extension. <clears throat> excuse me. And I believe if he's there for one more season after this one, the buyout is very insignificant. Also, fans are going to be back this year. If improvement to me isn't 11-1, even another 10-2 season would be, would be fantastic and welcomed at this point from where they were. I just think it's an eye test of the team, seeing them buy back in. Because last year, so many players seemed disinterested on the sidelines. Effort wasn't there. Seemed to be chaos within the program and surrounding the coaches. I feel like if all of that gets buckled down, which is hard to antiquate, I'm sorry, excuse me, hard to calculate and really see analytically. But if we can visualize that and feel like the program's building again, then we're going to go. But right now, it just feels like the program's kind of meandering and mediocrity. And I agree with you that it's kind of in between those tiers. And I just found the tiers to be very strange because they had it ranked as a four, uh, Harbaugh, but they also had ranked as a four, Ed Ogeron, who just won a, a national championship. And granted, LSU, I mean, they, they're pretty rabid there. <laughs> what? And, and I was like, what are we doing here? And I was like, what are these tiers here? I mean, how can, how can Ed Ogeron and Jim Harbaugh be in the same seating as a coach? Um, you know, for reference, they had Scott Frost as a coach that is on the hot seat, needs to win this year or be fired. And I, I, I don't know, like the fact that you can have Scott Frost, Jim Harbaugh and Ed Ogeron just kind of right there around the same levels. I, it, what, what are we doing here? Ed, Ed Ogeron. So my theory with, in football and college football, national championship, that buys you no matter what, three seasons after that to me. You can, we can look, we can go defeated for three seasons, but you earn those by winning a natty. Two years, Ed Orgeron has one down year after fielding arguably the best football team of the century. And it's like, right. yeah, put him on the hot seat. We'll see. He has to improve. Yeah, he knows he has to improve. They got to be a little bit better. Right. They're, they were always going to have a down year. Yeah. Like, they I lost mean, they everybody lost... off that team. Like, that. that's, yeah. The article lost a lot of credibility with that. Scott Frost, yeah, you have to win now, though. I'm sorry. You can't just out-hit people and lose by 30 anymore. Yeah, yeah, Scott Frost, I get that. Clay Helton at USC, okay. Yep. Yeah, all right, now now we're talking. But to have Ogeron and, and Harbaugh at the same level, I'm, yeah, it, to me, that, that did not ring true. If Jim Harbaugh won a national championship two years ago, we would discuss it every, every week on this podcast. We'd be like, Jim Harbaugh is good to at least 2025 in my book. <laughs> Minimum. I mean, yeah. if it were us, if we yeah. won a national championship next year, lock him in for 10. I don't <laughs> care. 
easily because that means we beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, win the playoff. Yeah, lock him into at least 2030. Like, he, he's earned this next decade. He can be AD after that for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. He can be the play-by-play announcer. What do you want to do? Yeah, national cha- – come on. Come, yeah. what, what are we doing here? Yeah, crazy talk, crazy talk from the folks over at CBS. I'm glad you agree. I just wanted to run that by you. Not necessarily news, but yeah, Murfield, a, ridiculous. a talking point. Yeah. yeah, all right, absolutely. Uh, before we get moving on, want to take a moment to talk about our sponsors over at Homefield Apparel. Great group of people that we've been working with now for several months, coming up on a year, out of Indianapolis. Very comfortable, affordable sportswear brand with, I have to say, the best selection, most comprehensive selection of college apparel in the game probably a Michigan fan. I hope you're a Michigan fan. If not, what are you doing here? They've got you absolutely covered on all of your Michigan designs, both old school and new school. You can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right. More complete random off-season nonsense, but this was also being discussed in the news the other day. And you know, I, I, I get bored, same as anyone, even though it's summer and I'm outside all the time. It's 95 degrees. I, I want to peruse the uh, the sporting websites. And they had kind of their, their talk about the tiers of, of announcers. And they were talking about NBA basketball games. But that made me start to think about the tiers of announcers and, and call guys for, for college football. So I want to I see how you rank these guys. And here's some of the big names that you're likely to get for a Michigan game. You got Chris Spielman who I forget who Spielman's usually with. Oh, I don't know off top. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't remember off the top of my head, but you got the Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt team. You've obviously got Herb Street and Chris Fowler. Uh, you got Sean McDonough and Todd Blackledge. We'll get that from uh, time to time. Kevin Nagandi and Booger McFarland. Joe Tessitore and Greg McElroy. All right, so I think we could probably start at the top. It's either... Gus Johnson and Clatt or Herbie and Fowler, right? If you got one one group to call your game, who are you picking? I'm I'm with you that those two have to be up top. And I love that you're just doing ones that we call Michigan games, because obviously we'd put people like, you know, Nestler and Gary Danielson on there, but they sure. only, they do the big SEC game every week. Yeah. Um for me, it's Gus Johnson, Joel Clatt, number one, because of the balance of the two. Gus Johnson's just electric, just an yep. electric personality, gets everything going. And I think Joel Clatt is the best in the business as being an analyst. I think he's even better than Herb Street, and I think Herb Street's incredible. Herb Street's so good at his job, but I 100% agree with you on this. Gus Johnson brings the fire. I mean, he could make a 7-3 to three game sound like you know it's the burning of the library of alexandria nice you know, and, nice and reference joel, <laughs> thank you it's dated but and joel clap man a he's a he's a friend to michigan based on everything that i've seen like he's always very kind to michigan um he'll be you know somebody that's higher on michigan than most folks a defender of jim harbaugh at times even when that's not necessarily the right call he adds um, the nuance to it, though. He adds the nuance to the discussion with Harbaugh. Like he's not a, cl- a clickbaity, hot take kind of guy. He's like, no, like he all. like early like on. He's like, listen, they catch the punt, they get a first down, and you're looking at Jim Harbaugh's resume a lot different. <laughs> yeah, he gets it. Like he yeah. looks at the bigger picture. Absolutely. Like he is just a smart, grounded dude. His takes are usually grounded in statistics. You know, he's like, well, look at it here. I mean, their third down efficiency, you know, that explains the whole or whatever it may be. Like he doesn't just, like you said, throw out takes. Uh, I agree. And then I think you agree. Number two, probably Herbie and Fowler. 
yeah, either of those commentating crews to me, it's just like it's like a warm blanket. It's like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Like I just feel good when they're on. It's like I'm going on a nice watching the game with some friends. They're gonna give me some honest feedback. I just feel good. I'm comfortable with like the commentary doesn't really stand out to me one way or the other. I'm just like this is comfortable listening music. I enjoy this. Yeah, and then after those two pairs of guys, I think there's a big drop off to the next guys. Uh, Booger McFarland's a wild man, like, and he'll say some just off the cuff stuff. His uh, name is Matt, Booger, so I expect nothing less. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Blackledge is pretty solid, so I guess I would take the Blackledge crew if I had to pick one after this. Spielman's the last guy I want to listen to. Yeah, uh, everything after that, I'm like, I think McElroy and their testator are fine, but they are just like they are the average line. Like if you could just draw a line that was average, it would be yeah. the McElroy testator line. Like it's not going to be great, it's not going to be bad. It's just right there in the middle. Yep, it doesn't get you excited. Whereas Gus Johnson, Joel Clad, every now and again, you get a pearl of wisdom. Like, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. <laughs> Gus Johnson really brings some of that Stuart Scott energy, and I love it. I, I don't understand why a lot of people don't like Kirk Herbstreet. You and I, as Michigan fans, should hold like a lot of resentment. You know, he's a Buckeye and all this, but I think he's really great at his job. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> my... Uh... I got a buddy that, that met him one time and he was, he, he met like Desmond and him and he's like, Desmond, do you ever just want to punch Herb Street in the face? And that's what he said to him. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're like best friends. Like Herb Street's kids were like sitting on Desmond Howard's lap. Yeah. Like he doesn't really seem to buy into the, to the rivalry. Like a lot of people do not that he doesn't like appreciate the rivalry, but he got booted out of Columbus you yeah. know, for saying nice things about Michigan. Like, he, he tries to take his job seriously. Yeah, these are professionals, guys. Also, like, just because the, somebody likes Ohio State doesn't mean we have to fight to the death in a yeah. alley. Like, you think he did that? You really think that would happen? Like, <laughs> we could be 40-year-old men. Like, uh, Desmond had it best. Like, he'll never, uh, he'll, he'll never pick Ohio State to win or root for them to win, even though they're Big Ten, ever. He said, I'll do it for every other Big Ten team except for Ohio State. It's like, yeah, the rivalry is still very much alive for these guys, but they're also also adults, professionals, and functioning members of society. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a Herb Street fan. There's been some times he's had some takes that I was like, really? This is the hill you're going to die on? But for the most part, he's really good. And then Fowler, like Fowler is incredible at his job. Fowler is very, very good. Yeah. Herb Street will sometimes rank like Coastal Carolina third in his rankings. And it's like, dude, come on. Like, I get it. You're trying to beef up the little guy, but let's, let's be real here. George doing house him by 45. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, let's, let's drink some cool down juice there. Yeah. Let's pump the brakes here, Kirk. But no, he's, he's good. And especially a job where he has to be on set in a new location every week for three, four hours on live TV and then go call a game that night. It's an incredibly hard job. And he does yeah. it, I mean, does it as well as anybody. He had, uh, I think it was during like, I think it was during the playoffs where he showed his schedule and it was like, all right, morning for college game day here in North Dakota. Uh, then we're hopping on a plane and I'm calling a game down in Florida and I was like, what on earth? And he's like, yeah, then I got to be there for the night game show. And he's like, hopefully my, he's like, pray for my voice. And I was like, that's a good point. This man does like our podcast. He just does it for 12 hours. Yeah. You know, and he has on, season. on live TV with right. cuts and cues and advertisements and everything else thrown at him. And like you said, and then he's going to fly. I would be way too tired to even speak to like somebody I love after that. And yeah. he's got to go call a game. I get home from work and I'm just like, no one talked to me for six hours. <laughs> and he's, gonna, he's like i gotta fly here i gotta do this so yeah prob probably the hardest working commentator yeah 
Yeah, I mean, because Gus Johnson just does one a day. He's not doing the the commentary on Sports Center later on, you know. Yeah, I don't know any other announcer that's doing a pre-show for three or four hours and then calling a game at night. Yeah, and then he's on like College Football Live later on. It's like, my God, man. Dude, go see all, I me. Mean, it's like five. Go see your kids. Like, yeah. But to be fair, like best job on earth because he only does that during the season, and then for the rest of the year, he's chilling. It's very true. So, yeah, respect to Curb Street, man. He's grinding like it's an incredibly hard year. And it's going to be nice to have game day back with fans and everything and the excitement because last college football season was just kind of meh. Very meh, very meh. We also might piss off some of our fans with the uh, the Herb Street love there, but hopefully you can see through and just appreciate him as an analyst. And yeah, it's like he's yeah. not wearing an Ohio State shirt, you know, and like dancing around the TV and stomping on graves, like right. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't do it for me. All right, I agree <laughs> with your rankings there. The rest of the guys we're not even going to bother ranking. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, all right, one more thing before we go to a break. I was thinking about this. The draft's coming up, obviously. You know, I, I converted you over just in time to be a Pistons fan, so I know you're excited sure. uh, about this draft as well. And we've got Franz Wagner there. I had a thought the other day. I think this is exactly right, and you can you can pour the cool, uh, cool off juice on me if need be. Franz Wagner to the Golden State Warriors would be one of the most perfect fits I could possibly imagine, and he could play for him right away. He fits a need. Their, like, elegant style of intelligent basketball – moving the ball around, making the right read, you know, cutters will, will, you know, make their cuts in and try and get the ball out to those shooters. I absolutely love that fit. Now, and I don't know if they would take him at seven, that might be a bit early, but he's probably not going to be there at 14, but they got two picks. And if they keep those picks, I, that's my favorite fit that I've come up with for Franz. Well, I think if they would take Franz, I think they need to move off of Wiggins because yes. there's similarities in the game. So maybe they could package Wiggins in 14 and move up. I think that the plan is probably to package Wiggins, the picks, Wiseman maybe even, and go get somebody big. Um, but if you can't go get somebody big and it's so hard to land a superstar unless they like demand that they want out of there like Anthony Davis or Kawhi, it's it's very difficult to move those guys and go get those guys. So if you can just go maybe get like another role player, I agree with maybe um, some positional similarities. But Wiggins is a starter. You need a Wiggins off the bench too, you know. Do you think the Warriors are the most fascinating team in this draft? Yes. Yes, I would say so. The Rockets have a ton of ammunition as well um, with pick number two. And then I think they have like 22 and 23 or something like that. So that they are a very interesting team, but they're a trash team. It, that's, you know? that's the thing. That's the counter. And the Warriors are a good team. They're getting yeah. Clay Thompson back. They could go Davion Mitchell, Corey Kispert. I mean, they could do whatever they want here in so many different directions, and you could see angles for everything. I had no idea Corey Kispert was almost 6'7", by the way. Yeah, yeah, he was, but I don't know. He puts a bad taste in my mouth. Give me Franz Wagner there. If he's there at 14, I think well, you 14, jump all you got to take Franz. you got to take Franz at 14. Yeah, if he's there at 14, I, I think that will – I'll say that's his floor. That's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. All right, cool. That has nothing to do with inning. We're going to take a break. When we come back, really excited for this discussion. We wanted to talk about some of the unsung heroes, guys, that don't get a lot of love. Um, the guys over at Maze and Brew, I suppose we should have told them we were doing this. They just did, like, the random guy discussion. That's kind of what we're doing, but we're putting our own out-of-the-blue twist on it. Very excited to talk about how Jake Ryan is actually Steve Buscemi and Conair. We're going to talk about that when we get back. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are in the midst of what we are calling the Unsung Heroes Pod. 
want to talk about some of the guys that have come through this program recently. We're not going to go back too far that we've really enjoyed and come up with a comparison for them. We're big cinema guys here. So the best way for me to possibly try and understand anything is to give me a movie reference. It really is. It's just an easy way to like connect the dots between two things and, you know, cross sports and pop culture and, you know, two things we both love. Absolutely. All right, let's get started. We're going to start with one of my favorite recent players, especially freshman year, Jake Ryan, linebacker under Brady Hoke, came in, was a huge part of the success of that turnaround defense in 2011 and was absolute chaotic energy. Looked like a guy that was learning how to play the position, but had such a knack for the ball that you couldn't take him off the field. I mean, he would get his first step was in the wrong direction because he would recover arms flailing all over the place, throw a guy out of the way and make the tackle on the ball carrier, pure chaotic energy. I'm likening it to Steve Buscemi in Conair. Cause you when he shows up, you're like, first of all, why is Steve Buscemi in this movie? With, like about the most absurd movie I've ever seen, you know, taking place in this stolen prison jet. And then Steve Buscemi comes in, has like three scenes. It's bizarre. And he, he, it absolutely works. It completely works. And I buy it 110% and it's chaotic energy. I don't know. How do you feel about that comparison? You got a better comparison for Jake Ryan. Now that's very solid. And besides looking like a chameleon, Steve Buscemi's got impressive range, especially if you've right? seen Boardwalk Empire and then you see like an Adam Sandler movie. It's like, what? Wow. What is this guy? Yeah. Exactly. That's what I felt with Jake Ryan. Cause I'm like, is this guy like going to turn into the best linebacker that we've seen at Michigan in a long time. Obviously the ACL injuries derailed, you know, any hope of that coming true, but there was a time when it looked like this was the next big thing. And I don't know if Buscemi was ever going to be that, you know, but Fargo was, was probably his Zenith that or boardwalk empire. Um, and, and still like just to see him show up in movies like Con Air and then Mr. Deeds, you're like, what is this guy? What is this guy's like career choice? Yeah, it's, it's the chaotic energy. The first thing I think about is uh, Lethal Weapon, Mel Gibson. That's what I think yeah. about a little bit with Jake Ryan. Like, I feel I like, like he's ascending up there. He's just chaotic. He's this madman. You're like, how is this going to work? But he always finds a way to just make it work out in his own his own way, not the straight very, edge way of doing yeah. it. Yeah, very Riggs-esque. All yeah. right, give, give me another hero and a comparison. Um, for me – an unsung guy. I'm going to stay recent. I want to stay in the Jim Harbaugh era. Oh, do you have him on here? Let me see yours. Sorry, I hadn't been able to look at a computer screen for a week. Um, yeah, that, that happens when you lacerate your eye. When you cut open an eye. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to go with somebody... Somebody just complete like a ball of excitement is going to come in there and just interject some life. It's very small to me, but he meant a lot, and I think it's because of the crowd chance. I loved Eddie McDoom. I, I loved Love Eddie McDoom. Just a small guy, just a burst of energy onto the field, especially in the 16th season when he was a freshman. And this is going to be a completely off-the-wall thing, but he was an interjection of life into the movie, and that's James Spader in Lincoln. Every time he's on the screen, he's just bringing something different that nobody else is doing. And that's what McDoom was doing that season on offense until they fully got Peppers integrated on both sides. What a tremendous, tremendous comparison there. Lincoln, man, in an unsung movie somehow, even though it's Spielberg and Daniel Day-Lewis and an Academy Award winning film, no one ever talks about it. But it is kind of slower 
but he absolutely is the one that brings that energy. You're totally right. And McDoom, every time he touched the ball, even if it was only for 10 yards, that place was electric. Yeah. It shows just goes to show what having a great name, yeah. a, a cool Go, name can do. It goes a long way. And this could be for Giles Jackson. It could be for AJ Henning this season. It's just, you know, you bring that that James Spader, you know, little heat check in the middle of a game, quick interjection. Your scene's over in two minutes and it's the next play. All right. I like that. I've got another recent one for you. Jordan Glasgow, a, a guy that, you know, we should have known was going to be impactful because of his last name. But when you looked at what the position he was playing and his stature and who was in front of him, you're like, well, I, I don't know if he's going to be as impactful as the other Glasgow's. And to be fair, he probably wasn't as impactful as those guys. But he was behind the lines. He had a ton of tackles for losses. He was reliable. He played way more. He was a special team standout. And he, I was so surprised that he was that guy. So I compared him to Gary Oldman in True Romance, who plays like a Jamaican guy in Detroit. And it's one of the most hilarious and amazing, awe-inspiring performances I've ever seen. But you're like, why is he there? Why is Gary Oldman appearing in this movie? Like with, you know, True Romance was directed by, um, what's his name? Um, oh, uh, not Ridley Scott. Tony um, Scott. Tony Scott. Yeah, yeah. So Tony Scott, I mean, who was a big director at the time, but it's just a bizarre movie. It's a bizarre role and it totally works. And I buy it. And Jordan Glasgow, like he just worked on that defense, even though like size wise, speed wise, you wouldn't think that he would. That's that's great. And I think this fits with any like, chameleonic performance again. And Gary Oldman, I mean, the definite, the man lost his accent. He can do so many, his own natural one. How does that happen? So right. that is good. And another one that would just stand out for me would be somebody like Tom Cruise popping up in Tropic Thunder. It's like, what right. in God's name are you doing here? And why are you doing it so well? <laughs> right. Yeah. Kind of similar to Buscemi showing up with the chaotic energy. Yeah. And Glasgow had a lot of that chaotic energy, but he was more, I think he was a more well-rounded player and, and knew the fundamentals a little bit more than Jake Ryan did, at least as a freshman. Yeah. Played a lot more, stayed healthy, you know, waited his turn and then just popped in and just you know, we looked at his numbers from last, like the last year he was there. We're like, wow, Jordan Glasgow kind of did everything. Pretty impactful. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, how would you rank the Glasgow's? It is so tough between Ryan and Graham. Um, man, that is, that is a very, Graham could play all over the line. So that adds some, some value. You're, we're not counting in what they've done as pros, Correct. especially since Ryan got injured immediately. Mm. Man, part of me wants to say Ryan Glasgow just because there's been such a drop off in our defensive tackle play after him and Hurst. Um, but man, was Graham Glasgow versatile and good to have. I'll go Ryan Graham, but it is it's a toss up almost. Yeah, I would go Ryan Graham Jordan, <clears throat> and then if you factor in pro career, Graham Ryan then Jordan. Then Jordan. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Tough to be the younger brother. And to be born, like, much, much smaller. Usually the younger brother, I would have to imagine, you're like, man, those guys got huge. I hope I get up to 6'6". At least they got smaller. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what is this? <laughs> no, you, you have great hair, though, sir. Tremendous hair, tremendous hair. All right, you got another one? You want me to throw one out? I got another one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take one off this list that I just love because it's become such a popular inside joke between you and I, and nobody else will really ever get it. And it's Josh Uche. And he is a hundred percent Mark Wahlberg from The Departed. Just love this. One of the best 
players on the defense when inserted in the right position. And every time he's out there, it's heat. You always, there's never a play where you don't know where Josh Uche is. So many players disappear on the field, but he is always front and center out there. And every time Mark Wahlberg is on screen against heavy, heavy hitters in the departed, the focus is all on him because he is just incredible. This is, yeah, one of my favorite comparisons on this list because, yeah, the reason you go Wahlberg and the Departed is, like you said, throwing heat in every scene. And Josh Uche, we just did this pod a few weeks ago. I think the stat was, like, 45% of his tackles were for loss. Yeah. In that one season. <laughs> like, that in 2017 season. That is unheard of. And, yeah, I mean, every time he was on the field, he was doing something impactful. He was primarily a pass rusher, so specialized. And Wahlberg specialized in this because he's playing a Boston cop, which is not a huge reach for Mark Wahlberg. He, like, spends a lot of time with firefighters and police officers in Boston. Like, he's a very kind of, like, uh, I'm air quoting, man's man. And, and yeah, he, he wasn't a stretch for him, but he's so good in that role. So Josh Uche, so good in his role. It just has the, we can't quote any of his lines here because this is a family podcast, but right. he has such a just natural Boston accent. He brings up with the inflections, like every, every note he hits in that movie with his accent is perfect as compared to Alec Baldwin, who's just kind of like doing a parody of people in Boston, right. but it still yeah. works for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wahlberg's got the, uh. Oh, the one line's quotable. I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. <laughs> That's what Josh Uche's doing, looking at other players on that defense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Actually, no, that defense was stout. We already we established Yeah, 17 that. defense. Yeah, correct. On the 18 yeah. team, he's looking around. He's like, listen, all right, Brandon Watson, I'm the guy who does his job. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the season, but he was he was mean in 18, too. God, he's, a, he's the scowl, too, on his face. Like, I would, like he's not a guy I would ask for, like, an autograph for because I feel like he might fight me in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah, I got that Bobby Portis vibe. <laughs> no, you don't want no part of that. No, I'm good. I'll just settle for like Cade McNamara or somebody. Yeah, 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 give me that. All right, I got one for you. This one's a little weirder. Devin Gardner, who we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast as a big what-if player. I'm going to go with Gerard Butler or Clive Owen's career path. Not in any one particular movie, so I'm breaking whatever rules exist for this podcast. No rules exist. There, there aren't. This is Florida. There are no rules. Yeah, this is Florida. <laughs> there are no rules. <laughs> you get issued a, a can of meth and an AR when you cross the border. It's always a good time. <laughs> always a, hey, say what you will. Uh, Devin, Gard Devin Gardner's career. I really feel like is because if he would have gone under like a true quarterback guru or if he would have just maybe worked under, um, oh, my God, how am I blanking on our guy who's now to, at Arizona, the head coach? Jed Fish. Jed Fish, yeah. Even if he would have had a guy like that for like three or four years, I truly believe Devin Gardner showed enough that he could have been an excellent, excellent college quarterback. And I compare that to like Gerard Butler or Clive Owen because you both have huge hits. And Devin Gardner had a huge hit. He was in one point uh, considered a Heisman front runner. And then you make these weird career choices after that with Ger Gerard Butler and Clive Owen. Clive Owen just kind of, yeah, he just got unlucky. But Gerard Butler's made some awful, awful, awful career choices. Did he? He gets uh, to show up to work drunk. Who's winning he's, here? He's been drunk for the last 20 years in every movie I've ever seen. I watched Geostorm, oh. and I'm like, is, I was like, is that a can of, is that a bottle of bourbon? Like, he's just <laughs> drinking on screen now. 
like trying to hide it from the director over there in the corner. I'm like, I see you. It's at, a, see you. It's at a level where you just kind of respect it. It's like you were once in the Phantom of the Opera just singing all over the screen, just nailing this. And now yeah. you're in Geostorm. And Geostorm completely hammered. Yeah, you, you don't know what movie you're in. You thought this was a Woody Allen romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's like more the, the career arc because Devin Gardner's such a what if. And if he would have gone to a, a better situation other than the offensive graveyard that was Brady, Hoke, and Al Borges, I really think he would have been something. I definitely like the Clive Owen one because you could say the Notre Dame performance was his children of men, and you buy yep. all the stock. You're completely invested. This guy's going to be a stud, and then a little bit unlucky with his coaching choice, like coaching staff and players around him in certain situations. So, no, that's, no, that's very apt, and then you end up playing in Japan or China, whatever league he ended up in. Yeah, him and Gallon ended up overseas together for a little bit. <laughs> and not serving the country. No, not, not serving the country. <laughs> All right. I, I, proceed. All right, next for me, I have to do this one because he's my all-time favorite actor. That is um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and the comparison for him is Mason Cole because Mason Cole is excellent at everything on the offensive line. He's always reliable. He's there, shows up, and Philip Seymour Hoffman is great in literally everything, any genre. When you – most people were probably introduced to him in Twister, and you're like, "Oh, it's this guy." And then you see like Mission Impossible Three, and it's like, "Oh, it's 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 this guy." And then you see a movie like The Master, and again, your just whole perceptions change, but it's still greatness. And that's what Mason Cole was. He was just always great, and he was a Swiss Army knife on the offensive line. This is an excellent comparison um, for all the reasons that you just said there. And it also like felt natural when Philip Seymour Hoffman does Twister and Boogie Nights. And they're a little more similar. Like he plays those both very loose and it's a little bit more whimsical of a role. But then you go see like some of his, his darker stuff, like a most wanted man or like uh, Capote. the devil knows you're here, yeah. or the master. And you're like, yeah, he's just as at home doing this as he was in Twister. One of my favorite philip seymour hoffman roles he's so and funny in twister he's so funny in that and like in along came polly like yep. he's just as at home there and it's mason cole like when he went from center to left tackle that is one of the hardest moves you can make on the offensive line and i mean he, he did have some time at guard i mean he was all over there i couldn't tell you exactly when he was at guard but i seem to remember cole surely playing a couple snaps at guard for us but that center to left tackle the two hardest you know, positions on the offensive line, and he did it seamlessly. And for Philip Seymour Hoffman to go intense drama to comedy, that is the hardest change you can do in acting. So great comparison. Yeah, it's just like when you see, like, if you saw Daniel Day-Lewis just hanging out in a Seth Rogen movie, you'd be like, what? What? What is this? Like, But Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman does it so effortlessly. I mean, it would be weird if you saw, like, another great player like uh, Cesar Ruiz go from center to tackle. He just couldn't do it. But Mason Cole yeah. has that versatility. Absolutely. And if Ruiz was able to do that, he would have been like a top five pick. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, he was, he was a stud for us. Um, all right, I'll stay on the offensive line. Uh, a guy that we, we really rode pretty hard after the Notre Dame game uh, that we lost a few years ago where uh, Run DMC had to come in for us, called him a revolving door, and that was John Runyon Jr., uh, now probably a starter for the Packers. Uh, my comparison for John Runyon Jr. is Colin Farrell, or actually, I think I, I like Robert Pattinson. I like Pattinson that one. More. Yeah, I like that one more like the career arc of those guys, because when John Runyon comes in, we see him and we're like, oh, all right. Well, I know the name. 
Like this guy's supposed to be, you know, a big deal. He's John Runyon's kid, but that was a terrible, terrible introduction. And to be fair, we should have really given him a lot more leeway on the road at night in Notre Dame. First game of the season. Yeah. Yeah. 18 first game of the season. Yeah, exactly. Like we should have been a lot, a lot more calm about our, our predictions on John Runyon that night. But then every week we're like, you know what? A little bit better, a little bit better. And then by the end, I'm fully on board. And that's why I like the Robert Pattinson, because it's like, really? The Twilight guy? Like th- That's going to be your new Batman? And then you start watching some of his indie movies, and then you see Tenet, and you're like, oh, okay, I see it now. Like, this guy is for sure what you say he is. And, yeah, I mean, I'm so happy to be wrong, wrong about John Runyon Jr., so I just wanted to give him his flowers and apologize again and tell him he's Batman. <laughs> what do you, how do you feel about the new Batman movie? Uh, I think it's good, but what's going on? They've got Ben Affleck in the Justice League, Robert Pattinson taking over the standalone Batman, and then we've got Michael Keaton showing up in the Flash movie as Batman. Like, pick a lane. What are we doing? Yeah, and and let's be fair. Like, I'm always going to ride the Michael Keaton lane no matter what. So that's like, sure. that's like the fast lane of Batmans for me. I'm just like, yeah, this is this is my Batman. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. I mean, I think the, uh, the um, Christian Bale movies are probably a, a tick better, at least Dark Knight is. Yes. But yeah. Keaton is, is better than, than Bale in those movies. I agree. Yeah, we're not, we're not putting down Bale here, people. We're just no, – yeah. that's, that's not why we're doing These that. are facts. All right, I got one for you. So of the 2016 defense, uh, Jabril Peppers was a star. Heisman candidate awesome outstanding played everywhere did everything okay and jordan lewis was a complete stud on that team but was kind of like you know the second man there but he just did his role was completely solid the entire time never wins was just you know great and enjoyed his position played mm-hmm. his right next to peppers perfectly all season jordan lewis is brad pitt and once upon a time in hollywood Oh, I love it. Jabril Peppers is it. the Rick Dalton. He's very versatile, doing all this, kind of going through the woes of that season. Doesn't have any interceptions, but he's doing this. Gets the career back on track. Gets the Heisman Trophy nomination. Jordan Lewis, just a consistent guy there the whole time. Just has gone through it. Just rides for his guy right there. He is Brad Pitt and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But it worked out the other way. I mean, you and I have both said it should have worked out where Leo was was probably the winner. Yep. Or if you're going to give it to Brad, you have to give it to Leo too because yep. Leo outacts Brad in that movie. Yep. And, yeah, and I'm sorry, he's better in that than Joaquin and the Joker, although Joaquin's great in the Joker. That's all fine and good. But, yeah, it was Peppers who got invited to the Heisman ceremony there, so he was the one that got all the accolades. And that, Now, granted – Jordan Lewis ended up as first team all Big Ten and an All American. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> accolades came. The accolades came. First team All American, Jordan. I think he did okay, but yeah, just kind of like, you know, the second fiddle there, but not really a second fiddle by any means. It's a one A and one A minus. Yeah, absolutely. And while like you might be like, oh, Jabril Peppers, that guy's a star, and that Jordan Lewis is very good. It, it's Brad Pitt. He's a star. He's a like, star. They are both stars, I assure you. Yes, that was the whole point of this. And it's like, yeah, he was a star. He deserves his credit. And yeah, he's Brad Pitt. <laughs> Definitely not an unsung hero. I'm pretty sure I've spent more time talking about Jordan Lewis on this podcast than any other player. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people don't discuss him enough, though. It kind of gets it kind of bugs me. Like, I don't see it like at large. I mean, Twitter's a small sample size, but I don't want yeah. people to forget about Jordan Lewis now. Well, that's why we're here. Exactly. We will keep 
keep hyping him up. Uh, one more before we get out of here. Not an unsung hero. One of the, maybe the only player we talk about more than Jordan Lewis. And that's Devin Bush, whose Twitter stream the last month and a half has been something to behold. I don't know what's going on with our man, Devin Bush. I, I hope all is well. But his, his Twitter stream is basically a descent into chaos. And I don't know what's going on with the second half of his career, but who would Devin who would Devin Bush be as like an actor, like a guy that comes in, or is he just Alvin Mack in the program? And it's just a like for like comparison. <laughs> I would offer a live reading of Devin Bush's tweets, but I don't want to take anything away from this. I, I don't trust myself as being a true orator, so uh, do yourself a favor, go, go check it out for yourself. A little light reading check up on your boy. Check on your boy. Uh, yeah, I would say Alvin Mack. Um, what else could we nominate him by? Um, uh, something from Tremors. Um, the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. The T-Rex in Jurassic Park. There you go. The Twister. One of the tornadoes in Twister. The one that picked up the house and the cows. <laughs> the giant black hole uh, they go they go through in Interstellar. Like it's just <laughs> it's just chaos in there. <laughs> or Gary Busey. Or Gary Busey yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in any role. Like that's exactly yeah. who Devin Bush is. So uh, yeah. his 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 tweets are framed like Tracy Jordan jokes, <laughs> like two serious things followed by nonsense. <laughs> like he is uh, kind of a walking enigma. It's fascinating. I hope the best for him. You know, kind of pray for him at night too. You know, do that as well. Talk to your pastor about it. <laughs> yeah. Also, hope he never hears this because he's a truly horrifying man. Yeah, he was. Yeah, once tweeted back when I talked about I want to get his haircut, and he's because uh, I caught it. Uh, some kind of mullet he said it's a pony fade it's like sorry man i'll do better i, I didn't know say i know it <laughs> said he looked at me once <laughs> looked at my tweet one time and was like you're inferior to me how was your fourth <laughs> how was your fourth <laughs> oh, I, I, man. All right, I got a question for you all right hit me all right you need to do it for each year 15 through this coming season if you could have one jersey with the last name on it from their time at michigan who would it be each season it's got to be a different player, yeah. so it can't be like Jordan Lewis, 15 and 16. Right, 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 right. Um, okay, so give me – do I want a dad Rudock? Yes, a hundred, one, one year only at Michigan? Yeah, yeah. If I only get one year and he was only there one year and I don't get another go at it, give me dad Rudock in 15, uh, Lewis in 16, and 17. I know you're – come on. Man. Man. I think I got to just take Nico. It's my boy. Over Mo Hurst? It's tough. I mean, you know I ride for Mo you Hurst. Can back for, you can come back for Nico in 18. Oh, I get to do 18 too? Yeah, all the way through. Oh, 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 oh. Hurst, Nico, 18. Um, 2019, give me. Ooh, can I snag a Runyon? You, you, you can snag a Runyon here. I'm going to snag a Runyon here. And then for last year. Ooh, give me, I'm going to go with somebody that I think's got some, give me a Dax Hill. Good choice. That is in this coming season. Yeah. 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 For 20, we're going to kind of combine 2020 and 2021. I'm thinking because last year doesn't really count as a season. No, it's yeah, been, give me a Dax Hill. It's been erased. Yeah. No, good. All right. Same question. Let's hear it. All right. Uh, I'm same on the dad, Rudolph. That's the, the only answer for 2015. You choose anything else. You're just wrong. Um, mm -hmm. 16 for me, I would take a Peppers jersey. 17, I would take a Devin Bush jersey. 18, oh man, 18 Bush. Oh man, this is, yeah. I know. Uh, it's, eight, it's or eight, tough in there. Yeah. 
Actually, 17 give me DPJ, 18 give Devin Bush, 19. Mm. Uh, honestly, 18 should probably be like Will Hart uh, or somebody like that. <laughs> Just hard on the back of it. Um, 19, I would take Aiden Hutchinson. And then this past season, probably Blake Corum. Mm, I like that. I like all those. Um, one honorable mention: a McDoom jersey. If I didn't take a, uh, if I didn't take a dad, Rudock. There are tough ones like um, Josh Uche's number six. Yeah, that's... I know that's clean. Uche six. That's a very clean jersey. I just didn't take Bush because of the uh, the cat being thrown off a bridge video. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm cooling on that for right now. <laughs> okay, you know. Fair point. Point taken yeah. on that one. The yeah, other good like ones it. would be like Charbonnet would have been a fun one. Ooh, yeah. That's a very cool one. I have to have a Nico one. That was that was clear. Um, a Gary one would be pretty because wasn't he nine? Oh, how do I forget Winovich? Give me go give me Winovich oh, over Bush. Yeah, yeah backtrack I can't on that. Take Runyon. As much as I love John Runyon, give me Winovich. Yeah, we gotta backtrack um, yeah. a little bit here. Yeah, I gotta backtrack on that. He's just an absolute all-timer. As long as you get like fake hair coming out of your hat every time you wear that jersey, too. Yeah. Of course. That's how, we, that's how we get around now. What do you think I'm doing here? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, one last thing. We have decided tickets are bought. Planes are arranged. We will be at Northern Illinois this year. That is the game. I hope we get some good weather. We're going to be out there tailgating, uh, you know, just drinking in the, the merriment and cheer of being back at the big house. Hope to see as many of you as possible. Reach out if you're going to be at that game. We absolutely love kicking back with uh, with listeners and just Michigan fans in general. Yeah, it would be a great time to hang out with any of you. We're always down for a good hang. We'll be tailgating early and often, frequently that evening. And yeah, we love just all kinds of nonsense discussions, especially if it involves movies and other sports. You can ta- yeah, come talk to me about the Tour of France. I can tell you about Pogacar and how he's going to be dominant. So. Sure, I'm sure that'll uh, that'll have them flocking. <laughs> that'll suck um, <laughs> the fans. Come over. I met a guy this past weekend in uh, Columbus, and he like was as into the tour as I am. It's the first person I've met like outside of like a small circle that is. And I was like, "Oh my god, you exist! We guys, we exist!" Did you guys go get like a high top in the corner by yourselves? Like we need we need some alone time. <laughs> I just felt like Tobias and arrest. And I was like, there are dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, absolutely, man. All right, that's going to do it for us on Out of the Blue for tonight. Make sure that you like, share, and subscribe. Please like, share, and subscribe on Spotify. If you want to give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast, we would love that too. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue. <laughs>